You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Straw came out inside corner, 99. Wow. And they won two. Swing and a miss. So back-to-back strikeouts to start the night for Strider. Right on by. Five outs, five strikeouts for Strider. There it is. Nine strikeouts. Nine outs for Spencer Strider. Swing and a miss. New career high. There's a dirty dozen for Spencer Strider. <laughs> oh, boy. This is BetQL Daily presented by MGM with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth, Cody Decker with you on a Friday. The montage of strikeouts last night by Spencer Strider for the Atlanta Braves. Holy moly. He is now your favorite at BetMGM this morning to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Um, Last night, I mean, it's otherworldly. I mean, to watch a guy strike out the first nine batters of a game. And he did it against a team last night, Cody and the Cardinals. The Cardinals don't strike out much. Then they came into yesterday bottom six or top, whatever you want to say it, but like six best in striking out. They don't strike out often. And he was just mowing them down. So you look at it right now, it's interesting. Last night, the Braves and Cardinals had a really interesting and back and forth game into extra innings. Michael Harris had a big hit. He's second in the odds right now, plus 325 at BetMGM. Spencer Strider, plus 250. We, we may get a pair of Braves here fighting for this NL uh, Rookie of the Year. It's incredible. We were just talking about the Braves and the moves they made last year and how this was a team that, you know, at the trade deadline put together a championship team. And this year their team's even better. And they have two rookies on the team. Mm -hmm. Like this is just the Braves is just a a litany of riches right now with all the stars they have and Acuna Jr. Ozzy Albies is hurt right now, but Michael Harris has been, been doing a phenomenal job. And like you said, Spencer Strider, what he paid the first nine hitters he faced yesterday. The guy is incredible. He's wild, and the Braves keep winning. Um, and the Braves have been, you know, one of the best teams in baseball for about a month and a half now. So we wanted to talk. We'll keep going with the conversation of the games tonight and some of our favorite plays. But it's interesting. Philly's broadcast last couple of days talking about Aaron Nola and how he's a pitcher, right? He's not your strikeout artist. Not going to go out there and throw ninety nine, but he's a pitcher. And there, there's a lot of these guys. One of them going tonight for the Yankees, Nestor Cortez. Tony Gonsolin last night got a win for the Dodgers. These guys, Adam Wainwright tonight as well. These guys that go out there and they don't overpower anyone, you don't look at them and say, wow, your guy, uh, Miles, for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaels, right? Like a guy that is not overwhelming. Probably none of these guys are going to win the Cy Young, although you made the case that your guy could could be in the mix. Yet they're, for unders, like if you're thinking about the under on a game, these guys go deep into the game and they don't give up many runs. Like they're not flashy, but – I would imagine we go through start by start. A lot of Wainwright starts have gone to the under. A lot of Nola starts have got got to the under. Gonsolin, again, an under last night. 
they just pitch a lot of innings and they just find their way not to give them any many runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, the, another name I want to throw on the list, even though this guy gets a little more heralded than the others, and I'm not sure why, because he's not an overpowering pitcher. He is a guy that throws low pitch counts, high innings. Max Freed. Max mm-hmm. Freed is currently 10-1 to 1 to win the Cy Young, and he is definitely a Tony Gonsolin type of pitcher in that he does get some Ks, but you don't look at Max Freed and be like, yeah, he's going to K-10 every single night. No, he's going to K-4 to 6, and he's going to get an outrageous amount of ground outs. You know what I think the, the key to this, this this discussion and like these pitchers versus these power pitchers? Like Robbie Ray is a, a right? He strikes out way more guys than these guys, but he also can blow up sometimes. If his command and control are off, he could be out of the game. He could give up five runs. Like these guys, Max Fried's a great one. I rarely see him have a bad game. Like he'll have okay games, but I, I'm, I'd be shocked if I watch a game this year and he's out in the second inning because he walks six guys. He just doesn't do that. Yeah, he doesn't walk doesn't give up a seven run inning he just goes out and and here's the thing about max Fried that's so impressive it's the pitch counts the pitch counts are low he gets guys out early and there's a lot of value in that i know we get very caught up in strikeout props we get caught up in power pitchers and velocity and everything now max Fried still sits around 94 to 96 he's got plenty of velocity but that's just not his game he pitches a very different ball game and it's kind of a throwback ball game. This is Maddox-esque type of ball games. Uh, and it's it, it's great for a ball club because he gets to eat a ton of innings and help his bullpen out. All right, so kind of pitcher did you dislike going up against more, right? So I'm sure you faced wild power pitchers that if they're on, they're dominant, you have no chance. And I'm sure you also faced command guys, right? Nestor Cortez, Adam Wainwright. Who did you rather face when you were playing? I rather face a power guy but there is a give and take to that because you got to keep in mind the power guy you know what they're coming with yet they know you you know you're coming with 97 plus so you got to get on time with that if they have a wipeout slider you know I, I always reverted back to the old advice that Jeff Francoeur of all people gave me Jeff Francoeur just basically said there was a week long where I was just chasing slider low and away and I was like I can hit that pitch why am I not hitting that pitch and Jeff just stared at me he's like why are you trying why are you trying to hit that pitch I'm like because I can he's like you're not supposed to hit that pitch. You're supposed to hit the fastball. Get on time for the fastball, and when he makes a mistake with that breaking ball, make him pay. But that good off the plate, just you know, biting slider, you're not supposed to make contact. That's how they they make their money. How you make your money? Take out that fastball. So I love the power guy. The only downside with facing a power guy was, like you said, command issues can be a little daunting. Trust me, when you're facing a guy throwing 98, averaging out 98, and you don't know where it's going, it is an uncomfortable at bat. But a guy like Robbie Ray, when he's on, right, he makes everyone uncomfortable in the box. You know, they just you don't know where the ball's going. I mean, he, that's the mm-hmm. kind of pitcher he is. And I have faced Robbie Ray. I can't stress that enough. You don't know where it's going. And there have been times where I faced Robbie Ray where I wasn't positive he knew where it was going, <laughs> but he was he throwing balls with some some cut that I know for a fact he didn't mean to throw. He threw me an inside cutter on an 0-2 pitch that took off, must have been six inches, and I he didn't even have a cutter in his repertoire. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So follow up to that with the like power, the, the guy that can place the ball. Like a Maddox, a Hendricks. When it gets to the playoffs, wouldn't you rather... Or would you rather, I guess I'm asking, would you rather go against that guy or be uncomfortable every at-bat? Like, what is – so I just feel like those guys, like Hendricks, Game 7 of the World Series, you know, got hit – like, they were hitting the ball pretty hard. Like, you're you're not intimidated there. Like, how does – does it change in the postseason or playoffs, power pitcher versus finesse guy? Maybe a little bit. I think the situation – might change it as it goes forward. Uh, you want you want the best example of power pitcher versus finesses. Um, I and I'll I'll do a little name dropping. One time when I was uh, early in my career, I used to hit with Barry Bonds, and it was as cool as it sounds. I mean, you're I was a, just a low A ball player. He had no business being this nice to me because he would come and hit at UCLA, and he would occasionally hit with me when I was in in college at UCLA. But I had no thought that he would even remember who I was. And I was just hitting in the cage one day. He comes in with Dexter Fowler and he's working with Dex and he just sees me over there and he says, Decker, get over here. One, Barry Bonds knew my name. I melted. It was the greatest moment of my life. Uh, And I went over there and I hit with Barry Bonds and he made sure I hit with him every day. And he started talking about baseball and hearing hitting from Barry Bonds is just spectacular. But he described this exact scenario, power pitchers versus finesse pitchers. And he said, you know, who's the best pitcher I ever faced. And it's not even close talent wise. He's like, Mark Pryor. He's the best pitcher I ever Mm. saw. Never saw anyone like him. He just could do everything. And I owned him. He was the easiest guy for me to face. And he's like, because right up here, I knew what he had. He had, he was a little softer than the next guy, but here he had a way more than everybody else. He's like, then you face Greg Maddox. He's like, Greg Maddox, made me do exactly what Greg Maddox wanted me to do every single time. He was the only smart pitcher in baseball, and he just sat there at 86, and he was going to get me to ground out the second base like it was his job, and it was. So he just talked about how a finesse pitcher who truly can control the ball can do whatever they want. The problem is those are the true once-in-a-generation type players. I mean, I know we look at the Shohei Otanis and the the Garrett Coles who were sitting at 102, but the once-in-a-generation guy is the guy who can throw 91 and own you. So I just pulled up uh, Bonds against Maddox in his career. I mean, he held his own. He had 260, what he did against everybody else. Maddox Maddox won that, right? He held him to 260 and I think like eight home runs in – in like 154 plate appearances. That's a win for Maddox. If you hold Barry Bonds yeah. to that, you've won. You know, it's funny as you told that story, it's kind of it's kind of a shame that the average fan doesn't think of Bonds. Like, obviously, you knew him on a little bit of a personal level there in that story. But he's just considered a jerk and a bad guy. No one ever talks about he's probably the smartest hitter since Ted Williams, right? Like, if you're making a list of the smartest hitters ever, it's Ted Williams and then probably Barry Bonds. Like, he just... He zoned in on like he was the most he was the smartest I've ever watched. And no one ever talks about him like that because no one likes him. And I mean, here and it's amazing to me because you hear all these stories about what a jerk Barry Bond. 
again, I was a nobody. I wasn't right. playing for the Giants organization. This guy just was so kind to me. And I learned a ton from him. Um, and it was just, it was incredible experience. And even Dusty Baker had a list where he said the best hitters he had ever been around, smartest hitters. He get put the list as Reggie Smith and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa. Those three guys knew more about how to hit a baseball than just about anyone on the planet. And Barry Bonds, I mean, I, I, you hear people, if you watch on like social media, there's a lot of arguments when it comes to hitting mechanics for whatever reason. Everyone thinks they have the answer. There's a lot of hitting gurus out there that are always talking about launch. If you hear a hitting coach talking about launch angle, walk out of the room. Just don't even, don't even talk to this person because Barry Bonds, the greatest power hitter who ever lived, I hit in the cage with him every day for six months. This guy never hit the ceiling of the cage once. Nothing but line drives. That's all he worked on. And he would he would pinpoint the line drives. All right, this one's going to go six inches to the right of the second baseman. Line drive perfectly. All right, this one I'm going to hit perfectly between left fielder and right fielder, probably about a 12 feet off the ground. Perfect. It was just, it was magical to the point where I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can hit this. I don't know if I can hit like this. I don't know if I can make it to the big leagues because Barry Bonds is literally taking pitches saying, I'm going to hit it within inches of where he's trying to hit it. I could hit it close, but inches, <laughs> maybe off the tee, maybe, big maybe. Yeah, that story reminds me of like when you go watch uh, before a basketball game, like Steph Curry hitting from half court, just shooting, right? Just like like normal, like just like shot after shot. When I was a kid, I went, I watched um, a Red Sox game. Wade Boggs was still there, and I watched him take batting practice. Wade Boggs, he hit 10 consecutive, uh, I'll never forget this, I was a kid, but like he was taking batting practice and you could tell he was aiming for the hole between short and third base. He hit it in that same spot 10 times in a row. Like he just hit the ball wherever he wanted. Like those guys are like aliens. Most guys can't do that. I mean, you, it's just like, that's impossible. And yet these guys are like, yeah, I'm gonna hit the ball right there every time. You know, Aaron, you being a Seattle person, you might get a kick out of this because I've always heard this. It's never been like confirmed by my own eyes, but I've been told this by about five dozen players and coaches who always say the person who would have been the best home run derby player of all time and never would have lost was Ichiro Suzuki. Everyone mm -hmm. flat out admits Ichiro only didn't hit 40 or 50 home runs a year because he chose not to. That's apparently how good and pinpoint accuracy his bat was. He just chose to play a different game, but apparently in BP, he would sit there in batting practice be like, all right, I'll hit this in the second deck. Uh, three seats to the right over there. He was like that insane. And watching Ichiro play for as long, it doesn't surprise me as a, at all. I I actually haven't heard that story, but I wouldn't be surprised either. I forgot about Ichiro. Man, he was a staple in Seattle for years. I always think about Ken Griffey Jr. when I think about, you know, the Mariners a long time ago. And mm -hmm. well done with the Ichiro. Yeah, he was he was fun to watch. Really. Yeah, there, there are just awesome. some guys who can control the bat in ways that are just staggering, just staggering. And it's not unlike a finesse pitcher being able to control the ball they do. It's just it's a certain type of like you said, it's alien. I mean, every player in the big leagues right now is astonishing. Every single one of them. the very worst player in the big leagues right now is an astonishing athlete and baseball player. You have to be otherworldly to be able to be spoken about the way we speak about Barry Bonds, Ichiro Suzuki, the things that the guys that can just do what they want on command in this game doesn't happen. It doesn't. I just, I just put a stats while we, while we went through that, excuse me, first 10 years in the major leagues, 
He had 2,244 hits. He averaged, I mean, he had 200 hits every year. He had had 2,200 hits his first 10 years. It's nuts. Think about if he didn't play 10 years in Japan before that. Like, we missed out on potentially 10 years of prime Ichiro Suzuki. We got the old Ichiro Suzuki, and he's a Hall of Famer. Can you imagine an extra 10 years of Ichiro Suzuki? The, The record books would be completely rewritten right now. Yeah, he'd be the all-time hit leader, not Pete Rose. I mean, Pete Rose would be number two. It'd be Ichiro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete, it would what, would be. Pete, what would Pete be doing if he couldn't say he was the hit king anymore? <laughs> he, don't worry. Pete Rose will find something to complain about. <laughs> yes, or something to sell, or a book yeah, to hawk. Don't worry. Pete Rose has got some idea. This full well-knowing, Pete Rose may be one of our listeners. I mean, this this network is built for Pete Rose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pete Rose. I mean, if he wants to come on sometime, and we'll have him. We'll talk hey, to Pete Rose. Got some great home run props for you next segment. <laughs> Pete, don't worry, Pete. On the home run props every day. There's, there's no question about that. All right, we got a lot more to get into, including summer movies. Cody's with us. We got to talk movies today before the show ends. We'll get to that coming up next. Our lightning bets, full baseball slate. Uh, we'll get that to you in about 20 minutes. Summer movies and a Top Gun review from Cody Decker. That is coming up next right here on the BetQL Network. You're listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL.